I remember I was on vacation. Gosh, this was uh, about 20 years ago. And uh, we were traveling. We were stopping in at one of our relatives' homes. And uh, I was a, always been a big sports fan. You know, a baseball team, football team, hockey team. Always had a team. I didn't really have a big, I don't know, had a basketball team we cheered for because the Knicks were always stunk in New York. So um, didn't really cheer for them very often. But I remember driving, and uh, I couldn't find the Mets score. I was a big Mets fan, you know. You can pity me. Went back in the late 70s, early 80s, and things like that. It was it was brutal um, until 1986. I'm just kidding. And uh, and so we're driving, and we're going to this relative's house. And I got there, and I asked one of the people in the house. I said, you know, did you hear the Mets score? And they said, oh yeah, I did. I said, well, they win or lose? Oh, they won. And he and he went on to describe how how they won the game. And you know, it was a ninth inning, and then this happened, and the guy missed the ball. And I was so excited because they were in a pennant race, and it was great. The Mets had won the game. And so the whole day I'm kind of sitting there and thinking, this is wonderful. So we stopped in when we had to leave to get to go the rest of our way back to our home. So we're driving home. I had the radio on and found out the Mets had lost the game. And this person went into this elaborate explanation of how they'd won the game. And there was no mistake about it. It wasn't the game before or anything else. They had lied to me. Not only had the Mets had won, but how they had won the game. It was like they went on and on. And they basically were telling me something I wanted to hear, I guess, to get in a conversation with me about something, which they could have done anyway. On any, any topic, I would have had a conversation about. But they lied. Absolutely amazing. And to this day, Whenever this person talks to me, I always, I always look at what they say with little kind of, oh, I'm not really sure this person's being honest. Not sure they're telling the truth. Thomas, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to Peter Carr on August the 19th, 1785, in which he states this. He who permits himself to tell a lie once finds it much easier to do it a second or third time till at length it becomes habitual. He tells lies about it, uh, without attending to it and truths without the world's believing him. This falsehood of the tongue leads to that of the heart and in time depra- depraves all its good dispositions. A lie can cut really deep, especially if it comes from someone who we care about, who we trust. When we trust someone and then they lie to us, it really has an impact in our lives. It it, it cuts deep. And I believe that we all, to a certain extent, believe other people when they're talking to us. I mean, there are we have skeptical, you know, people here, I'm sure, who kind of have a little edge to them. But most of us, when we're talking to someone out in the foyer, we pretty much believe what the other person is saying to us for the most part. But lies, once a person tells a lie, lies are are like acid. They're they're corrosive. They can dissolve trust in a heartbeat. Once someone tells you a lie, and especially if it's an elaborate lie, it corrodes that trust. It dissolves that trust. And it's very hard to get that back. This morning, we're continuing our series on the Ten Commandments. I think we have two more to go after this. And we go into a new series, which is uh, more conversations with a happy heathen. If you, I know a lot of you really enjoyed that last year. We're going to pick up again this year on that. But we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. And this morning, we're going to touch on the Ninth Commandment, which is bearing false witness. Bearing false witness. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, it's very specific 
specific as to, you know, as to how this all works out. It tells us that we shouldn't speak falsely in, in, a, in a legal proceeding. So it's very specific. Okay, it's not just a generalization. It's very specific that you shouldn't speak falsely against another person in legal proceedings. Now, before you kind of say, well, oh, big deal, um, this is a big deal because you need to think about what where the where Israel was at this time. They were basically a simple desert society and in a simple desert society, all almost almost all crimes were capital crimes. Okay, so if you then lied about someone, you brought someone to court, you brought someone into legal proceeding and you lied about them, you you bore false witness against them. You basically slandered and lied against them. It, It could be it could be equal with it could be basically equivalent to murder because if they're found guilty in many cases, they were put to death. So this was a big deal. Okay, this wasn't just, oh, yeah, I lied about someone in court, you know. Put my hand in the Bible, swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. It wasn't the same thing. No one gets killed for doing that now. A person could die. The person you lied about could lose their life or lose their livelihood or lose their reputation and then they couldn't function in their, in their own culture and society. This was a big deal. It's bigger than it looks like on the surface. But even at that, if we left it right where it was, you, most of us would say, well, you know, I think I can handle that one, Pastor Jeff. I really do. I think I can handle this one. You know, I, I, I promise not to lie in court proceedings, okay? In legal proceedings, I will not tell a lie, so therefore move on to the next commandment. Now, it, it, something happens that, that kind of that makes it a little more uh, challenging for us. Jesus comes along. You got to love Jesus, okay? Jesus comes along and does what Jesus does best. He takes something really simple and makes it a little more complex, Right. He he asked. It makes it a little more complex. He took the command not to commit perjury. And basically, he explains deeper meaning and purpose. So he explains it. It's to turn it really into a prohibition against lying. So Jesus looks at this and says, "Okay, what what is the heart of the matter here? What are the motives here? So Jesus looks at this and, and he and he gives it more meaning and purpose in the life of every single believer here in Jesus Christ. We should be living such a life that we show honor and integrity in what we say. There should never be a time where we have to worry about, someone else should have to worry about what you and I say, whether we're lying or we're telling the truth. We need to have integrity in our speech. Everything that you and I say should be the truth. And this is one of the most difficult things to do in this culture. To continually tell the truth in every situation that you're in. To tell the truth. And Jesus wants us to do that. Not just in in court proceedings, okay? Not just in legal proceedings, but overall. He gets to to the heart and the motive of it all. He says, you need to be honest in every area of your life. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 35, Jesus says again, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. In other words, we shouldn't need any oath to validate our speech. We shouldn't need anything to validate our speech. When we say something, it should be straight up. We don't need anything else. Again, Jesus goes to the motives and the heart. This is so important in your Christian walk. 
You know, we, we, people love to, to, to take the outside, the actions, and, and turn those into, so you can point that out. See that person's actions? But if you read the Bible, Jesus is very, very concerned. His biggest concern is attitude. Act, it, it's, it's, the, it's the motive of the heart. It comes, all these things Jesus said come from inside a person. That's what makes them unclean. The heart, the motive. So that, that's what Jesus is focusing on. And he's saying, you know, if you swear an oath, there's a possibility you could break that oath. And if you break that oath, you're lying to the person who you made the oath to. And you're also lying to God himself. Matthew 5:37 basically makes it simply says he says all in, in all that you, you say, simply say yes or no. And he said everything else is from the evil one. Simply say yes or no. In James chapter five, in verse 12, it echoes this this same instruction. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. In other words, again, listen, there's no reason that you or I have to come up with all kinds of elaborate things that go around our yes or no. Did you do it? Yes. Did you do this? No. Simple. And if I say yes, you can trust me. Uh, it, yes means yes. It doesn't mean, you know, what is, what, is, what is that one that the president did a few years? What is 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 kind of stuff, that kind of thing? No. Yes or no. It's simple. You don't need to use any technical language around it. Explain. What do, well, what does yes actually mean? When I say yes, what I actually mean is, no, when you say yes, you mean yes. There's nothing else should go around that. So when people hear your voice, you don't have to validate anything you say, yes or no. He's saying there, there's no need to swear. No need to swear because you should live in such a way that you don't have to do that. In every area of your life, we should, have, we should be people of integrity in every area of our lives. No question about it. Okay. So how do we lie to other people? You think, well, that's a pretty simple question. Not really. It's, it's really more complex if you start to think about it. How do, we, how, do we, how do we lie? What are some ways that we lie to other people? Well, first, we, we sometimes lie to other people with good intentions, right? We have good intentions. I mean, is it, is, is it, is, if we know the truth and we don't say the truth, is that a lie? I, I love this clip. I absolutely love this clip. Watch this. Would switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Was Abe Lincoln honest? Does this just make my backside look big? <laughs> Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I love that clip. I'm sorry. Hey, if you're ever going to lie, that's the point where you lie, okay? You get get negative. You just go before the Lord that night. We're under grace. We're under law. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing you. But, you know, sometimes we lie with good intentions. You know, we're not trying to hurt anyone. You know, someone gets us in a situation and, you know, so I'll tell you what. I think... That is the very reason that so many people get on American Idol and, and are totally deluded. They're, del, they're delusional. They get on this show in front of all America and they actually think they can sing. And you know why they think they can sing? Because people, friends and family have lied to them all of their lives. Right? 
Exactly. So they people I get on there and go, how on earth? I feel so bad. I'm like, oh, my goodness. How could they think they can sing? Telling someone that they can do something when they can't do it at the end really ends up hurting them. It doesn't end up helping them. Really? I mean, some of these folks in America, oh, they blow my mind. They actually think they can sing as well as I can. Where do you think Jen gets it from? Ready? Now, listen. Somewhere over the rainbow sky. Now, wasn't that good? Seriously. No kidding. Was it good? It wasn't? You're honest. Come on. All right. See, first service, everybody was like, yeah, Pastor, that was all right. That was good. I'm like, you're lying. I can actually sing better than that. You don't know. I am. I'm, and I'm my yes, be yes, a little better than that. All right. But that's what happens. Someone's caterwauling and someone else saying, oh, that was just wonderful. They're lying to that other person. And so they get on. They think that line. They go through their lives thinking that they can do something when they actually can't. When you tell someone a lie in the end, it ends up hurting them on national television. There is the end of that. Okay. We also tell lies using flattery. We flatter other people uh, to kind of get our way. We do this in business. Often we'll do this in business. We'll we'll, kind of tell people things. We'll use our words in such a way to manipulate someone with our clever language in order to get our way. So, you know, we, we go in and we don't we don't tell the whole truth or we we kind of spin things around. The person doesn't. We talk in circular arguments and the person doesn't really know which end is up. And so we end up getting our way in Psalm 55 and verse 21. It says this. His speech is smooth as butter. Yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil. Yet they are drawn swords. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 12 through 14, it actually says that you can lie without even using your words. That you can lie to someone else without using your words. A troublemaker and a villain who goes about with corrupt mouth, who winks maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet, and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart. He always stirs up conflict. Robert Louis Stevenson said this, The cruelest lies are often told in silence. The cruelest lies are often told in silence. We can lie without by saying nothing, by um, using our body language, by twisting our words. We can lie that way without even really saying that much. You know, the most frequent place we do this if, if you're in a in business realm, is when someone calls you for a reference, right? Someone calls you for a reference. I, I read this and I thought it was, it was really great. When, when called uh, about a former lazy employee, the employer wrote this. You'll be lucky if you can get him to work for you. Right? Some of you in the back are still going, oh, what's wrong with that? No. Right. You're lucky if you if you can get him to work for you. That's so true. But in, is it? You don't really know what the person is saying because you don't want to, you know, you, so you kind of you, 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 it's imaginative lying. But imaginative lying is still lying. George Washington wrote a letter to Dr. John uh, Cochran on August 16th, 1779. And he said this, I hate deception even where the imagination only is concerned. I hate deception, even where imagination only is concerned. 
We imaginatively lie. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, students, children are, are really good at imaginative liars. I mean, I'm not just being, you know, imagination. I'm talking kind of making things up and kind of going around in circles and it gets more and more elaborate. It's still a lie. It's still a lie. Sometimes we deliberately lie. Um, we calculate a lie in order to hurt someone else. That's another way we lie. We calculate it. We deliberately calculate a lie in an attempt to hurt someone else. And this is the worst kind of lie. It's pretty much the worst because you're, you're, you're thinking through what you're doing in order to harm another person. Joseph and Potiphar's wife is a perfect example of this, of, of the ninth commandment. OK, breaking the ninth commandment. Joseph's doing his thing. He's going around. Potiphar's got him in charge of everything. So Joseph's doing all that he's asked to do. He's, he's before God, he's righteous. Before man, he's righteous. He's doing it all right. Potiphar's wife wants to get with Joseph. And so, and Joseph's like, I'll have none of that because he put me in charge of everything except for you. You, I keep my hands off. She didn't want to keep his hand, her hands off him. And so when he runs out, she grabs, you know, the whole story. And then after he runs out, she then lies. She bears false witness against Joseph. Ends up in prison. Most of the time in those cultures, you could be killed for that. So she's bearing false witness against Joseph, who did absolutely nothing wrong. She calculated a lie in her mind in order to harm him. That is breaking the ninth commandment. And, and, and a lot of times, though, bringing it back to our modern time here, I mean, how many times do we get online? Do we text or do we Facebook or whatever else? And do we tell lies or half truths about other people? And we tell those things and the other, that person finds out. And it's... It, it, it literally, in some ways, people take their own lives over it, but it kills their social life. It kills them inside having someone to sit down and think through and calculate a lie about someone else and spread it amongst their peers in order to harm that person. It's easy to go, oh, Potiphar's wife. Well, I can't believe she did that. But, you know. What are some of the ways we do that? We, we, uh, at work, we specifically come up with something without even really saying anything. Well, you know what I heard about so-and-so? No, what would you hear? Well, <laughs> let me just, well, I'll just, I'm not going to say anything. You, you know. Last is last year. Oh, well, I, I'll, I won't even go there. You throw enough information out to, to, you know, to bring that person down a few notches, bring yourself up a few notches, and you harm their character. You harm their integrity in the process. Other people think things about them that aren't true. You know what one of the ways that people do this, and you've got to watch, this is you really have to watch out for this. I'll use me as an example. Some will say, you know, I'll tell you what, I've Pastor Jeff. He's so funny on Sunday morning sometimes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but you know what else, though? He's kind of shallow. You know, he's kind of blow, And then they go off and talk about all these other things. There's some truth in the, you know, there's truth here of, you know, oh, you know, he, I like this, but I, I like this about him. But I'll tell you, I don't really like and off they go. And so what you end up doing is they do it to you as well. You know, that's that, 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 that Nancy, I really like her. You know, she's really fun to be around. But you know what else? Boom, 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 boom. It goes down from there. So they hook you in with something about your personality that's true. That's just, it's true. OK, I'm yeah, that Jeff boy, he's he's awful enthusiastic. <laughs> but you know what else? Boom, 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 boom. But you're hooked in with the enthusiastic part. because That's true. And then four lies come after it. And you're and you're pull, that's what people will do sometimes. And we need to have discernment with each other. We need to protect each other from those kinds of things. We need to have discernment. Ask the question, are those things true about such and such or so and so? Don't just take them face value. 
Because there are people who will calculate and lie that way. And so we need to protect each other from those things. You need to have discernment to make sure that you are either not doing that or if someone else is, that you're protecting the person you're talking about. There's some people in this church. There's a, there's, we have one of our elders who I have, been in, I have been in a situation where there's maybe four or five people around a table and someone will start talking negatively about someone else. And this person will make everyone at the table feel uncomfortable. I mean, he will literally almost shut the conversation down and make you feel uncomfortable who was ever doing it. I love it because they know everybody knows not to talk negatively about someone in front of this person. Even if it's true what you're saying, it doesn't want to hear it unless you're going to go talk to the other person first. It's wonderful to have that environment where you're protected. We all need to have that kind of attitude. We protect each other from those kinds of things. So whether it's imaginative lying or deliberately lying, all those things, we need to be able to protect each other from the, 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 the kind of the aggressive uh, lying that sometimes happens in our culture, in our lives. Now, sometimes we lie to defend ourselves. OK, we don't really want to hurt the other person. We just want to defend ourselves. You know, and what, what happens in this situation, someone comes up to you and says, hey, did you do such and such? So you said you're going to do last week. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you send that thing out at work? Oh yeah, that went out yesterday. Ring, ring. Uh, hey, is my order in? Oh, we're working on that right now. As soon as I got the phone, you know what I mean? I'll start working on it right now. When we do that, we, we don't think through what, what we're doing is we get caught. And so we defend ourselves. We're not trying to harm the other person. We're just trying to defend ourselves. But in reality, when you do that, you end up hurting someone in the end. Whether it's you or the other person, you end up harming that person. And you end up harming your reputation if you lie about something and then you can't follow through. But you said you did already. You're done. The person's not going to trust you anymore. It's important to have integrity in our homes and in our workplaces, not just in church, not just in Christian circles, but in life in general. It's important to have integrity in those areas. This could be this could be lying, for example, about uh, lying to your spouse about your financial situation. You know, something went wrong and something happened and they're asking you some questions and you just start lying about your financial situation. Ultimately, it comes out and it affects your marriage. Lying to your teacher at school about your homework or a project you're working on. Oh, yeah, well, I had it done. And then I but if she finds out or he finds out your reputation is going to be harmed. You know, it it could be that you 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 lie to to people about where you say your parents, you lie to your parents about where you were or what time you got home the other night. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, your, your mom or dad says, you know, I need you to be home by 11 o'clock. Okay, next day, blah, 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 we got to be here or there. I need to be home by 11. And so, you know, you go out that night and you, your parents figure, ah, you know, we can trust him or her. They go up to bed and you come home and you look at your watch. And the next morning, your, 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 dad, uh, your dad says, uh, so what time did you get home last night? And you say, well, dad, you're eating breakfast. Just picture yourself eating breakfast, you know. Having some coffee there. And your dad says, what time did you get home? You say, well, dad, the last time I looked at my watch, it was 10.58. Need any more coffee? Right? Need some more, dad? Need a back rub or something, dad? Right? Now, that's all good and great because you did actually look at your watch at 10.58, but dad said, go home at 12. Right? So it's a half truth. We live in world. We live in. in, in we, we as Christians sometimes want to live in a world of gray and ha- of half truths. But a half truth presented as the whole truth is an untruth. Okay, a drop of a lie in a well of truth poisons the water. It's all there is to it. 
the same thing I said before. Oh, that person is so ha, 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 bing, 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 bing. One truth, okay, and as soon as you mix in lies with it, the whole thing becomes a lie. What you're saying is a lie. A half-truth presented as the whole truth is an untruth. You can't mix dirty water with clean water and call the water clean. It's going to be dirty water. We can't do that. We need to be honest. We need to have integrity. We need to continue to live our lives in such a way that when we speak words, people just, they hear them, they trust them, and nothing else needs to be said. We also lie about ourselves. We lie to ourselves. And I think the reason we lie to ourselves sometimes is really an issue of pride. You know, we want to see ourselves in a certain light. We want to see ourselves a certain way. We want to picture ourselves a certain way. And even though sometimes that's not really true, you know, we're really not being honest. There's, there's not always a reality to it. We picture our, ourselves in a way that, that, that doesn't have that honesty attached to it. And so we continue to lie to keep up the facade. We continue to lie to keep up that, that, that mask. Soon our conscience, we sear our conscience And we don't know the difference between the lie and the truth. You know, we start to we start to think this way in our minds that we 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 see our consciences and the lie becomes reality in our own minds. That's so dangerous. We need to be careful. Remember, I said in the beginning, there's difference between lying, you know, lying sometimes and becoming a liar. When you sear your conscience and you start believing your own lies, then you become a liar and your own mind becomes warped. We, 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 should, we should be thinking of ourselves according to truth. What happens is we, we, want to, we want to be more important in some area than we are. or We want to see ourselves in a certain light. We don't want to do the work to actually get there. And so what we do is we create this aura, whatever else. But we need to see ourselves according to the truth. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just be honest with yourself. Hey, God has an incredible plan for your life. God created you for a specific purpose. No question about it. You have meaning and purpose to your life. He created you to do something amazing for him. There's no question about that. You don't need to create anything else. What you need to do is make sure you're in the will of God so you can fulfill the purpose that he has for your life. And when you start living outside of the will of God, you start lying more and more. You tend to, it tends to lead to more and more lies. An example of this is when we are tempted to blame other people. We live in this world of lies, and so we start blaming other people when things don't go right for us. You know the reason I didn't get that promotion, the other whatever, is my boss, blah, 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 or the other, the other employee, whatever. I lost the race because the other runner came along and his wind shear tripped me over and I fell and I can't laugh. I would have won the race if it wasn't for him. I would have gotten that part. Except the other actor or actress, she's always kissing up to this person, always kissing up that person. That's how she got the part. I would have had the part because I'm much better than she is, blah, blah, blah. Now, you know, in some cases, some of that might be true. I mean, some people do things to harm you, whatever the case may be. But what I'm saying is we start to, do you ever know people who no matter what happens in life, it's always someone else's fault. It's never their fault. You know why it's never their fault? Because they're lying to themselves. They're lying to themselves. 
It's never your fault. You lost that job. Never. It's not your fault. You lost 10 jobs. Not your fault. It's the boss. It's the business. They cheated you. They lied to you. They shouldn't have told you this. I can't believe they asked you to work overtime. Whatever the case may be, it's always someone else's fault. It's why you didn't win. It's why you didn't do whatever. It's someone else's fault. And I blame a lot of this sometimes on how we parent. Let's just kind of raise our hands here and take responsibility because some of our children act this way in the world because that's how we parented them in, in some cases. Our children, our children feel entitled to always win, my friends, because they've actually never lost anything. No matter what place they come in or what they do, they get a trophy, they get a ribbon, they get whatever. And don't get me wrong. I, I keep, keep this focus. I want to encourage my children. I want to get behind my children. I want to support my children. But there's a difference between doing that and never allowing your children to lose. Never, never pointing it out when, hey, you, you, know, you, you didn't win, so you don't get the reward. You don't get to whatever because you, you lost it's, it's seriously, it's, it's one of those things where it's, I call it the idol, the idol syndrome, like we talk about American Idol, the idol syndrome. Think about the parents. They go in there, they caterwaul. Oh, you know, it's like, holy mackerel, someone put that out of its misery. And so they come out, and what do the parents do? Oh, he's an idiot. They're an idiot. Everyone's an idiot. All, all those people are tone deaf. All the judges are tone deaf idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know real talent when they hear it. And the parent comes along. Oh, sweetheart, sweetheart. Oh, you're, you're wonderful. You're perfect. That was fantastic. I can't believe they would even say that about you. And it's like, how, how, how is that possible? And either the parents, seriously, I think the parents are sometimes don't have the ability to hear. That's true. I'm not being funny. That's true. Okay. But other times they're just flat out somehow, for whatever reason, lying to their children. And so they, they put them in a position. Don't give up your dream. The judges are being really fair and honest. You know, you, you have a lot of good qualities. You're funny. You're creative. I really appreciate this. But, you know, this is something that you should probably let go of. Sing in the shower. Sing for your family. They love it. But don't, don't think they're going to make a career out of this. Oh, they're completely and utterly ridiculous. Let me give you another example. I heard this on the radio the other day. Does anybody know what the, where we are in math scores in the United States? I can't remember the exact number. Like 40th, I think it was, 42nd. Anybody know? It's really low. We, we've dropped down really low in the world math scores. So we're like 42nd in world math scores. You know we're number one in self-esteem of how we feel about our math scores. We're number one. Woohoo! Yes, they, they did a study and asked the children how they felt about their math scores. And they said, oh, the American kids were number one in self-esteem of how they felt about their 40, they were 40th. And they, were, they, were, they thought that was fantastic. That's wonderful. How do you think about your math score? I feel great about it. Help me here. Something wrong in there. There's nothing. Listen, there's nothing wrong with teaching your child about losing, teaching how to be a good loser. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to teach. I taught Kim and Jen how to be good losers. I want to teach Joshua how to be a good loser. There's not, there is nothing wrong with telling your child they're not as good at whatever as someone else. If they've run in the race in school from kindergarten through seventh grade and they've lost, they come in last place every single time. It's okay to say, you may not be the fastest runner in the school, sweetie. I know you want to be in the Olympics and everything, but I don't, I, this, it may not happen, sweetheart. 
you know, get some bionic legs or something. But as it stands right now, you're a slow kid. You know, no, I'm just kidding. No, I don't say that. <laughs> I mean, I'm your mom and I could beat you. I'm just, don't, don't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't say that to your children. Just, you know what? Because you know, you know why it's okay to tell your children that they're not great at everything? Because God created them, okay? They didn't evolve. They were created. And God created them for a specific purpose. And they're really great at other things. It's okay. They, you learn good lessons about life when you teach your children how to lose well. You learn lessons about... I mean, it, the, one of the best lessons I've ever learned as I grew up and I, I, I became an adult was that you need to surround yourself with people who are better than you at most things. Most people are better than me at most things. Okay? I'm not, I'm not great at everything. I know I'm pretty good at certain things. But I try to surround myself with people who are better than I am at most of the things even that I do. That's okay. I'm not, I, my self-esteem isn't in the toilet because I'm not as good as every, I'm not better than everyone else at everything. The, 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 the thing about life is you need to teach your children, that teaches them respect for other people. How to be a good team player. How to respect other people's opinions. Again, how to surround themselves with good, solid people who will help them. There's not one person in this room who's a self-made anything. Okay? Every person here who's successful is successful because you have people around you. Because you were smart enough to put the right people around you. My father, my father, when he moved from, uh, from New Jersey to, after my parents were divorced, to Virginia, on his way out there, he had no job. And he could build just about anything. And he found out there was jobs, and this was really bad in the 70s, really bad job market. And he found that they were building a nuclear power plant. Never built a nuclear power plant, didn't know how to do any of that stuff with the concrete and everything. And he walked in there and... Sorry, Dad. My dad lied through his teeth, okay? Yeah, I did this, I've done this, I've done that, I did the other thing. Now, he's very talented building large buildings and everything, but never built that. And they hired him, and, they, and he said, uh, they, they, so they gave him a crew. And, he, and he, to the first crew he had, they didn't, he said, well, you know, where have you worked, where have you worked, where have you worked? None of them really knew what they were doing. He went to the boss and said, these people are, I can't work with these folks. They don't know what they're doing. But he didn't know what he was doing. They said, well, go find your own crew. He went around and asked them, where have you worked? Where have you worked? What have you done? What have you done? I work in this power plant over here. I've done this over here. I've done that. He took all those people around him and he learned from them until he faked it into the job, into the position where he knew what he was doing. It was Chernobyl. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Was it Three Mile Island or whatever? Uh, no, none of that happened. Um, but you know what I'm saying? You surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. That's okay. It is okay to tell your children, sweetheart, you may not be the best at so-and-so, but you know what? The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go or she should go. That means go along with their natural bent. What are they naturally good at doing? You can't do that if you won't tell your, ch- your children the truth about whether they're good or not good at certain things. You can't do that. How are you going to train up a child in the way they should go if you tell them they're good, they're good, they're good, they're good at all these things? And I'll tell you something else. It hurts your child because they think good is good enough. They end up thinking good is good enough. Good, my friends, is the enemy of great. And it doesn't allow them to reach their full potential. God has a purpose for your life. It doesn't matter if I'm the smartest person in this church. It doesn't matter if I'm not the best speaker in this church. It really doesn't matter if I'm not the best at anything in this church because I have all of you. I don't have to be the best at everything. I need to be good at a few things, great at a few things if I can be, and surround myself with people who are just as good or better than me at most other things. That's just good teaching. That's just good parenting. 
It teaches our children how to function in life. We need to get, we need to own that. We need to own that. Thank you. <laughs> lying, lying teaches them, my friends, like I said, that good is good enough. And that is just not acceptable. We, we, we have to, again, I want to say this. You need to tell your, encourage your children to try new things. You need to try, tell them to go and experience new things. I tell my kids, I tell my kids, go, it doesn't matter if you fail at this. Go try it. Go to New York. Go to, go to Florida. Go wherever and try out for this and try out for that. Or do this or try out for when they were in high school. Try out for something, whatever. It doesn't matter if you make it. Enjoy the experience. It's okay. You know why it's okay? It's okay to go to the Boston Marathon and come in whatever. You're not coming in. Some of you may come in first, but most of us are not coming in first. But you know, if we beat our personal best, if we, if we, if we top what we did before, if we push ourselves and become the best that we can be, those are all good things. So it's okay to tell your children to, to try it all, to, to, to go after their dreams. But in the, at the end, you as a parent need to be honest with them and steer them in the right direction. So that they will be doing what God has called them to do. God expects his followers to be truth tellers, to be honest with themselves and with each other. So how do we live a life of truth? As we close out, how do we live a life of truth? How can we um, how can we live truthful, honest, redemptive lives in our speech and how we speak? Well, first off, we need to become familiar with the truth. We need to become familiar with the truth. This is so important. Man, 2011 going forward, one of the things we should commit to doing is all of us individually reading our Bibles more. Just a little bit every single day. Read your Bible a little bit more. You have to be, if you want to be a truth teller, if you want to be an honest person, then you need to become familiar with the truth. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. Put those things in your mind. Put them in your heart. Own those things. Whatever is true and noble. Understand the word of God. Many times people who have been lying their entire lives are lying for a very long time. Find it very difficult to be truth, be, be honest and tell the truth because they don't know what the truth looks like. Right? They really don't know what the truth looks like. How do you know what the truth looks like? You study, you look at the word of God. Have you ever lied to yourself to the point where you believed your own lies? Think about it. Don't raise your hand or anything, but you know, have you ever lied to yourself and you told that story over and over again until you actually didn't really recognize whether it was, you know, you thought, it, you know, you, was it true? Is it true? Or is it not true? You've told it so long about whatever that you, you start believing in your own lies. Many believers struggle with the truth because they don't know God's word. They don't know the word of God. They don't have enough knowledge of the truth and how it applies to their lives. For example, you can sit here in church all day long, guys, and talk about this. The ninth commandment, don't, lie, you know, don't bear false witness in what Jesus did in saying shouldn't lie at all. We could talk about it all day long here. But what happens when you leave here, when you go to work? How, are we, how do we tell the truth at work? How, do we, how are we honest? How do we do that? You know, one of, the, one of the best books when it comes to how to be honest and have integrity at work is the book of Proverbs. For men and women, book of Proverbs. We're going to go into the book of Proverbs in the summer. This summer, that's our series. 
It's called Wise Up. And we're going to go through the book of Proverbs. And, oh, boy, you want to talk about just so many topics that we could, we could, we could talk about. But wise up. That's what we're going to talk about. But how, are you, how do you show integrity and honesty and character at work? How, do you be, how are you a truth teller at home? How do, you, how do you tell the truth at school? How do you tell the truth on the field when you're on the court and you, you, you know, you're, you're playing a game? How do you become an honest person? How do you know? You, you have to know the word of God. You know, what happens in our Christian life is that many times we say, oh, it's gray. You ever notice how, how many things are gray now? Everything's gray. This issue's gray and that issue's It's kind of a gray area. It's not really gray. It's just we closed our Bibles. We don't read. Since we don't know, it becomes gray. It's not gray. There's no gray areas with God. God's not going, oh, man, I don't, you got me on that one. I'm really stumped. Oh. He's like, McFly, it's not gray. You know what I'm saying? It's not gray. You have to read the word of God. You need to know the word of God. God will illuminate things for you. We need to seek God's truth. We need to seek after God's truth, the truth of his word. We also need to ask the creator to speak to our hearts. To speak to our hearts. In Psalm 51, 6, it says this. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. See, we need to allow God to speak truth into our hearts and practice living truth in every single area of our lives. You want to be an honest person? You want to tell the truth in every situation? You know the word of God. You know God's word. There's black and white. There's no gray floating all over. You're not in fog. You're in black and white. You know the word of God. God kind of lays it out for you. And then when, even, if, even if you haven't gotten to that point or you, don't, you haven't studied as much as maybe you need to, as you study, you also ask God, put the truth in my heart. When I'm in a situation, moral dilemmas, people call moral dilemmas, when you're in a moral dilemma, spend time asking the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Don't go on just your whim. Spend some time. Step away. Say, you know what? I, I've learned this. Um, this is what I've learned to say to people. Because I'm, I'm very quick. I, I, you know, if somebody asks me something, I try to answer them. Sometimes, a lot, now I say, let me process that. Let me, just, let me just process through that. And my processing through it many times is going and praying and asking God to show me, Lord, how would you have me answer this? What would you have me say? You read the word, you allow God to speak to your heart. It's in your, your inmost being. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says this, Instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And then in verse 25, in the same verse, it says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. See, once we love the truth, once we, and that's, that has to happen. You have to fall in love with the truth, right? You need to fall in love with the truth. Once you love, once you really love the truth and you become familiar with it, the next step in that process is to live it, to live it out, to live it in every area of your life, to practice truth in your life. You start to practice truth in your life. We need to decide to do this in our own hearts because if we decide to do this, it makes Christianity an adventure, especially if you haven't been living truth in the past. You've been kind of, you know, really wishy-washy on the truth. In business, you're like, yeah, you know, you lie to get ahead. You, you know, you have to tell white lies. You don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. In order to get ahead, you have to lie. That is not true in business. That is not true. Okay? I do know that. It's not true. And I'll tell you right now, if you start to live a life of truth, your Christian life will become an adventure. 
especially if you haven't been telling the truth in the past. Because now, I mean, God will do things in your life you never thought possible. You'll come up with ways to be honest and, and get ahead without lying. And you'll be looking at this going, why didn't I do this before? I feel better about myself. I feel better about my life. I feel better about my relationship with God. And I'm successful. God will work in you and show you things you've never experienced before. That's the exciting thing that, you're, that sometimes we're missing. If you start telling the truth... Then you start, listen, if you start telling the truth, then you start living out the truth. You start living out the truth in your own life. You won't want to put yourself in a position to lie. You won't want to put yourself in a, in a position where you're ashamed to talk about what you've done because you start thinking it through. You start thinking, I don't want to do this or that because I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm going to be ashamed to speak the truth because that's what I'm going to do. You won't, want to, you won't want to go to a place you shouldn't go because you're, you're going to tell the truth about it if you actually go to that place. So what happens is you start thinking your friend calls you up. Hey, why don't we go over so-and-so's house? house and go in their basement and whatever, whatever it is, you start thinking to yourself, you know what? Honesty is a part of who I am. Integrity and character is a part of who I am. My parents may ask me about that. And what am I going to tell them? Since I'm not going to tell them a lie, I shouldn't go there and do what they want us to what we wanted to do. You won't put yourself in a position where you have to be ashamed to tell the truth. Because when your parents ask you, so how was your day? What did you do at so-and-so's house? Nothing. That's a lie. You did do something. Right? Just not, the fact that you're not speaking and telling the truth and just holding back the truth ends up being a lie. You didn't do nothing. You did something. So you don't put yourself in that position. I'm telling you, it is freedom. This living this kind of life is a life of freedom. The closer you come to Jesus Christ, the closer you come to the truth. The more like Jesus you become, the more of a truth teller you become. Truth transforms. It redeems. It redeems. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The truth is redeeming. It is redeeming. I mean, anyone who is who's who's lived in such a way that they don't live out truth in their lives understands exactly what I'm talking about. The truth will set you free when you live for him. His truth sets you free. And if and again, some of you have not lived in such a way in that way. But then you started living that way. You went from lies into truth. You went from darkness into light. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've lived a lie so long. What a joy it is to live the truth. To not have to carry the burden of hiding this all to yourself. Lies, listen, lies hold you in bondage. And every single person here knows it's true. When you're lying about something, you have to remember what you said all the time. You know, when you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Right? It's the truth. But when you lie, you always have, well, what did I say? My parents asked me, and then they asked me again. Your parents are pretty smart, too, so they ask you probably three times in three different ways to try to catch you sometimes. And if you're telling the truth, you have no problem. But if you're lying, you always have to remember what you say. And on top of that, you have to worry constantly. I had a mechanic who, I, who he's passed away now, but he was a great, great guy. And I remember one time I talked to Suburban and I said, I said to him, hey, uh, Henry, uh, I think it's the, I think it's the, uh, the um, you know, something big. I'm really bad with cars, sorry. Um, you know, the, the transmission. I think it's a transmission because it was, it was pulling. Now, what knucklehead goes into the mechanic and says, I think it's a transmission? Okay, which is the second most expensive thing to fix on your car. I came back to him and it was 60 bucks. He told me 60 bucks. I said, 60 bucks. He says, yeah, there was a little thing loose under your under your your your, your gas pedal. 
I fixed that. I had to tighten it and everything, 60 bucks. I said to him, you know what, brother? I will always, always bring everything. I will tell everyone in church to go to you. I will always come back to you because you're a good man. You could have cheated me. You didn't. He said, you know what? That's because I never want to have to look over my shoulder. And when you lie, you always have to look over your shoulder. You are always in bondage. But when you tell the truth, it sets you free in your relationships and in your own mind. It sets you free physically. Think about it. How much stress do people live out in their lives because they're holding on to a lie? They're lying about how they're living. They're addicted. They have some addictions or something going on in their lives. And you've been lying for years about it. And it's killing you. It's killing you physically. It's killing you emotionally. Your relationships are being, are being, are being affected and severed. They're being, they're, you're struggling in your relationships. It's killing you physically. It's killing you emotionally. And it's killing you spiritually. How can you? You don't want to pray because this thing's always on your mind. You don't want to face God. You don't want to face other people. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to go to a Bible study. Because you know this is going on in your life. You're in complete bondage. And Jesus says the truth will set you free. He's the truth. And setting you free is really spiritually knowing him. But it goes beyond that as well. It goes to the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual aspects of our life. It allows you to live the life that God created you to live. It's freedom. I never have to worry about what I'm saying. I don't have to watch my back. I don't have... I'm free. Deep breath. 2011. I'm not living this way anymore, right? Bow your heads with me. We're not, Lord, we're not living this way anymore. We're not going to live a lie anymore. It doesn't matter, Lord God, what kind of lie it is. A little white lie that we keep telling to defend ourselves all the time. People ask us something and we didn't, we're procrastinators. And so we have to constantly lie at work or lie in school. Lord God, help us to stop procrastinating so we can stop lying. Help us to stop lying so we'll stop procrastinating because we'll know if we, if someone asks us, we'll have to tell the truth, which will cure us of our actions, our attitudes, our heart, our motives will cure our actions. Help us to become people of truth, of honesty, of integrity. And it will cure us of lying at work, of taking shortcuts, of cheating off the person next to us, whatever it is, Lord, it will cure us because when we're asked, are you looking at that paper? We would have to tell the truth that will stop the action, Lord God, because the attitude that we see change in our own hearts, in our own motives. Father, that's what we're praying for. We're praying for changed hearts. We're praying for changed attitudes. Change us from the inside out, Lord God. Change us that we would live in such a way that we would please you with everything that we say. That we would not have to validate our speech. Because our yes is yes and our no is no. And everyone knows it. Help us to go into 2011 different people. Help us to leave this place even now. Lord God, help us to do our business with you even now, repenting of those sins that we've committed in the past. I pray that we would confess areas of our lives to our parents or the people that are close to us where we've been holding things, Lord God, and it's been keeping us in bondage. Allow us to find someone who we can trust and we can share that with so we can be set free. The truth will set us free, that we can live our lives for you and become all that you've created us to be. Lord God, we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory for everything we know you're going to do in our lives because we're asking it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great